Welcome to another episode of Just a Jackass with a Note in His Mouth. I'm your host and resident jackass swinging Molly's hatchet, Brad Alexander. This episode, Flirting with Disaster. And yeah, just like the Molly Hatchet song, I might be flirting with disaster on this episode. One cool thing about Molly Hatchet is they had a few different lead singers, most notably Dave Lubeck, Jimmy Farrar, and Danny Joe Brown, and they all had really similar voices. They were deep and gruff voices that punched out lyrics with great depth and emotion. So I really don't even have necessarily a favorite lead singer. They were always rocking out. Anyway, this has nothing to do with that, as you probably already figured out. So in what way am I flirting with disaster? Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm going to attempt to discuss and bring some understanding to the triune nature of God, the Trinity, as some would say. Now, the word Trinity is actually nowhere in Scripture, but the three facets iterations or revelations of God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are referenced throughout Scripture. Messiah, Jesus, the Son, told his followers to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's some amazing and incredibly deep theology to break down with regard to the triune nature of God. The good news for you is I'm not a theologian, so I don't intend to go into really deep theological waters, which to me are uncharted, and uh, I don't have any floaties. So, what I will attempt to do with my finite, barely high school educated mind is to somehow explain the infinite God. And I love Dr. S.M. Lockridge's sermon called My King. If you haven't heard it, you can listen to it, you can find it on YouTube, dial it up, you can read it, whatever. But I I suggest you do, if you're not familiar with it, Dr. S.M. Lockridge of uh, Moody Bible Institute. Anyway, he's got this amazing sermon, My King, and he goes through and just lists off all these amazing attributes of God, and he does it in such a poetic and inspirational way, and as he gets through... (laughs) This long list of different things that are just, they just get you all fired up about who our God is. And then about three quarters of the way through the sermon, he's like, I wish I could describe him to you. Because all that he just poured out, all these amazing things about God, it's the tip of the iceberg. It's like a pinhead. And there's so much more of the living God. So that's what I'm attempting to do here, part of what I'm attempting to do here. So you need to understand the challenge and actually the impossibility of this task, the infinite being explained by the finite. And yeah, of course, I'm going to try and do it in about 15 minutes. Go me. The fullness of God will just not be fully realized and explained by finite humans. It's just not going to completely happen. And I know there are people out there, and I've heard folks, well, if you can't explain your God to me completely, I won't believe in him. 
Don't be Dexy without the Midnight Runners, okay? Come on, Eileen. You know what I mean. If the infinite God of the universe could be described in full by his finite creation, then he wouldn't be infinite. Okay? Even, even in the simplest things, you look, a piece of pottery doesn't tell you all there is to know about the potter. Right? But it reveals certain aspects of the potter. His care, creativity, ability to... All these intricate details revealing something special about the potter, the creator. But you still don't know everything about that potter. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Yikes. Those are strong words there. Without excuse. Based on creation. So, God has revealed himself to the best of human understanding through creation. And that's where I'm going to focus in my attempt, again, to encapsulate or, or explain the triune nature of God. So we need to consider the creation, the universe, right? And the, the universe which God created does not contain all of God. God is within the universe, but he is without the universe as well. He created it. So that's that's concept one that, that we have to attempt to wrap our minds around, that the God of the universe created, created all of it, and he is outside of it, but he can be inside of it as well, and is. So, There, wrap your minds around that for for a couple of seconds. And now think about this. The universe which God created is recognized by three things. Space, time, and matter. Now we look at each of these three things, and space can be broken down into three also. Space, there is micro space, meso, and macro. Micro being the microscopic, the space that is occupied by things too small to be seen by the human eye. Um, and there's, there's almost, it's amazing, there's almost another universe contained within the microscopic that is, that is too small to be seen. Darwin himself said that if things can be broken down Below the cellular level, which is the only level that's as far down as they had gotten in his time, if things can be broken down below this and matter of simple complexity discovered, well, then his theory should be rolled up on a cardboard tube and left in a restroom. Okay, that's not an exact quote, but, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Simple complexity has been discovered quite some time ago, actually, within cells are what look like machines made up of components that could not have evolved from anything. They couldn't have evolved from anything else. 
Thus, simple complexity. Okay, it's been it, it's been seen. And listen, we're not here to discuss creation versus evolution, but we're focusing on the micro space, and it goes down even below beneath that, and and you know the molecular levels and atomic levels and subatomic and anyway, that's micro space. Mesospace is the space which individuals occupy um, and have the greatest understanding, our level, okay? What we see, hear, and witness, that's, that's the meso level. And then there is macro, and macro is the largest scale of space, the universe beyond us, which we study from afar and try to bring it to our level of understanding, and we do the same with micro. We go to microscopes and we try and bring it to our understanding on our level. And we go macro and we use telescopes and we try and bring it to our level under, of understanding. Three aspects of space, micro, meso, and macro. Time. Quite simply, time has three facets, right? There is past, present, and future. God reveals himself as I am, the ever-present one. Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, is called him who was, is, and is to be. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there is space and time. Now the third aspect of the created universe, matter. Well, matter comes in how many? Three forms. Anyone seeing a trend here? Matter can be solid, liquid, or gas. Think about water. Solid form, ice. Liquid form, water. Gaseous form, steam. Think of the earth itself, right? We have solid land, we have liquid water, and we have gas, the air we breathe. Think of mankind, human beings. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. The physical body, the soul, which some define as the mind, will, and emotions. And then there is the spirit or the inner man. And then, again, reflect back and think. God, the Father, the Son, and Spirit. So when we even think of the roles individual humans have, okay? Think of a male. A male is a son then a husband and a father, and can fulfill all three of these roles simultaneously while not losing his identity. He fills all three roles. A, a female is the same, a daughter, a wife, and a mother. The same thing, three roles, one person, simultaneously fulfilling those roles and maintaining her identity. I realize every analogy can be picked apart at some point, and there's no perfect analogy, particularly in a finite mind using finite things to describe the infinite God of the universe. And to me, these things reveal on a natural level the supernatural attributes of the king of the universe. And the bottom line is, what's it all about? We see the reflection of the triune nature of God. We see it echoing throughout creation. But what is it all about? 
Let's remember, when God created man, he did so in his own image. And actually what it says in Genesis is, let us make man in our image. The word our refers to the eternal triune nature of God, Father, Spirit, Son. The Hebrew word often found in Scripture is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. The I-M denotes plural. This does not declare pantheism, okay? Many gods. But it speaks to Yahweh and his nature, the triune nature of God, Father, Spirit, and Son. Remember the Shema from Deuteronomy 6, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then it goes on to say, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and being. Making man individually with a triune nature, body, soul, and spirit, as a reflection of the Creator, Father, Spirit, Son. So once more, what's it all about? Man, I'm so glad you asked. It's all about relationship. That's what it's always been about. It began with the created son, Adam. When man sinned and severed the relationship with the holy God of the universe, humanity then enters a fallen state out of relation with the creator. And then, I'm going to, I have to Reader's Digest condensed version this and nutshell it. But then there is the giving of the law and there is, there is so much more. And the written law, which wasn't necessary previously because man was in this perfect relationship with God. Well, that was severed. And so the law is written on tablets of stone. And then in later times, God writes his law on the hearts of his people. At the right time, God reconciled us to himself through his son, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, who lived the example of a perfect life in perfect obedience to God's law and a perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. He lived that life as an example, then was sacrificed on a criminal's death to atone for our sin and put us in a right relationship, back in that right relationship with God. The word repent is teshuva, to return to God. That's what Messiah Jesus did. He offered a way that we could return to God in right relationship with him. And then we are filled with God's Holy Spirit to live in that right relationship with Him. It has always been about relationship. God's relationship to us, ours to Him, and then ours to others, a reflection of our relationship with God expressed to those around us. That's what it's always been about. A God who desires so much to be in fellowship with his creation that he was willing to die to bring us back to himself. Teshuva, repent, return to God. Well, 
I flirted with disaster a bit here, and uh, I do hope that in some way this brings at least on a basic level some understanding of the triune nature of God. In whatever way I've failed to bring some understanding, I acknowledge that, and it and it's my fault, and uh, you know my attempt to oversimplify the greatest of complexities. At any rate, I'm just a jackass with a note in my mouth. The most important aspect of this episode is about our relationship with God. Be reconciled to Him through Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to Him. Teshuva, repent, return to Him through Jesus. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the listen. Please, if you would, be so kind. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And of course, share it with those who you think may be blessed by it or could use a listen to it. Appreciate your time. Be reconciled to Shuva. Return to God through Jesus. Then go out and give him heaven. <laughs>